Acts 24, these are God's words. Now after five days, Ananias the high priest came down with the elders in a certain order named Tertullus. These gave evidence to the governor against Paul. When he was called upon, Tertullus began his accusation, saying, Seeing that through you we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to this nation, by your foresight we accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Nevertheless, not to be tedious to you any further, I beg you to hear by your courtesy a few words from us, for we have found this man a plague, a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple. We seized him and wanted to judge him according to our law. But the commander Lysias came by, and with great violence took him out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come to you. By examining him yourself, you may ascertain all these things of which we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, maintaining that these things were so. And Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, answered, Inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself, because you may ascertain that it is no more than twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship, and they neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone nor inciting the crowd, either in the synagogues or in the city, nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms and offerings to my nation, in the midst of which some Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with a mob nor with tumult. They ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me. Or else let those who are here themselves say, if they have found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council, unless it is for this one statement which I cried out standing among them, concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day. But when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will make a decision in your case. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus succeeded Felix, and Felix wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. So we've already noted that chapter 23, verse 11 is 
really the controlling idea for the rest of the book of Acts, uh, that Paul must testify of the Lord Jesus uh, in Rome. And so that's where all of this is going. Uh, Paul knows this. Uh, This is one of the reasons why his trust in uh, Christ's providence, that the Lord Jesus rules and overrules all things, and particularly his identity, or his identifying Christ's purpose uh, for him, that he would testify for Christ, that the reason he is alive is to serve, and his service has been planned. Uh, And this trust in providence and this sense of purpose uh, give him uh, freedom. Uh, It frees him from being a fearer of men, or an appeaser, a pleaser of men. Uh, You see here Tertullus and uh, the way he talks with all of his syrupy flattery uh, in verse 2 and 3 and uh, and his uh, nasty kind of uh, not presenting any actual evidence but uh, just words like plague and creator dissension, ringleader, uh, and so forth. Paul is freed from having to be a verbal manipulator because he knows uh, truth is on his side. The Lord is ruling and overruling all things. Uh, he has the good works that the Lord has planned for him uh, prepared. He just has to walk in them. Uh, and so there's a great liberty in the way that uh, Paul answers. You can even hear it in the word cheerful. He just gives him a couple of facts. I know that you've been many years a judge of this nation, and I the more cheerfully answer for myself. Then he just starts giving data. It was twelve. It was twelve, less than twelve days when I went up. I committed the purification ritual before I went in. There was not a mob, uh, and he's just giving the the facts. But he's freed to be simple and forthright in his speech by his confidence in the Lord's providence and his uh, conviction or sense of the Lord's purpose for him. And you and I, too, can just be freed to be cheerful and forthright if we know that the Lord Jesus who saved us is the one who rules and overrules all things. If we know that the Lord Jesus who saved us has planned for us the good works that we are going to have to do today and tomorrow and then for as many days as we are going to remain in this world, uh, our time here will soon be done. Uh, we're coming next week in Timothy passage to when Paul has finished uh, his course. Uh, and so we can, as it were, run one step at a time. The race that is uh, laid out for us uh, because of the freedom, the liberty that we have in heart and mind that comes from the providence and purpose uh, of Christ. Uh, This gives us the way of life. Uh, Verse 16, This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense uh, towards God and men. And so we just uh, live conscientiously. Many people worry about many things, but we, uh, not so much worry, but we may just be concerned with or focused upon is maybe a better word making sure that we live in the manner that pleases God uh, and that keeps God's law uh, as far as other men are concerned that we would love our neighbor uh, and keep God's law in um, in the loving uh, of our neighbor Paul is uh, free 
by his clear conscience then, uh, to argue that he is just living according to the word of God. Verse 14, This I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. Uh, this uh, is both uh, the, the way that Paul lived, uh, and the way that if we live according to the word of God, which does include honoring authorities and such, uh, but if ever obedience to God's word puts us uh, at odds the authority uh, with the authority, we will have done so with a clear conscience, uh, and we will uh, we will tell them that we have to obey God. Uh, and if man uh, wants us to obey them, then just uh, don't command things that God forbids, and don't forbid things that God commands, uh, because we are going to worship God rightly. And the great thing that God had. Uh, commanded was that when the great prophet and the forever priest, the forever king, the great high priest and the forever king, uh, when he came, they were to hear him. Uh, they were to come to God uh, through him. Uh, they were to submit themselves to him. Jesus is the Christ, the anointed, the prophet, priest, and king. Uh, and so his service to Christ and his believing everything about Christ is just a keeping of the Bible. The problem with the Jews was they weren't keeping their own Bible. Uh, this is an argument that uh, uh, that Paul makes, for instance, at the end of Romans 9, beginning of Romans 10, and we'll get there not too long from now uh, in our studies in Romans. Uh, but not only then uh, does this living with a clear conscience and according to the word of God which we trust in God, and this is our great concern, and we can uh, we can commit to him what comes of us. You know, there's great liberty in that. There's great liberty then when accused by men uh, to, uh, to be able to say, this is just according to uh, the word of God, and you should follow it too. That's the uh, implication, right? When he says, I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and the, and the prophets. Obviously, the elders and the chief priests should have been doing that too. Uh, and we should be able to do that when we come under accusation. Uh, we should be able to not be ashamed even before pagans and say, I am just believing and living according to the word and the will and the mercy and salvation and uh, all those, you know, there are many other things we could say. I'm just living according to the word of the God who made you and the God before whom you will stand, who told us that he would redeem us in Christ, and then he redeemed us in Christ, and this is what he redeemed us for, uh, to cheerfully follow the Lord Jesus Christ according to all his word, and you should too. Uh, and that will give us good opportunity. But we have to live that way first in order for us to be able to testify that way. So there's great freedom, not just in the providence and purpose of Christ, uh, but there's great freedom in maintaining a clear conscience and living according to the Bible. Uh, it's a wonderful uh, liberating thing. The other thing that it does for him, uh, as far as Roman legal system is concerned, is Judaism was a uh, a legalized religion. They were uh, officially recognized and permitted by Roman law uh, to practice Judaism. Uh, and so Paul was saying they're calling it a sect, but uh, you know, even if there are more of them, and he doesn't get into whether or not there are more of them, but it's not a sect. It's actually the real, the true it's the true religion of the Old Testament uh, the, that I follow. I am 
Uh, I'm following the worship that Rome protects. Now, not everywhere is uh, Christianity protected uh, by law. Supposedly, it's protected by law in America, but we know um, that is much less uh, and less the case. But that's also another reason that he was able to say it. Even if, uh, even if Christianity wasn't legal, though, it's very liberating to be able to say, I have a clear conscience toward God. I'm living according to his word. And you should too. So Paul, uh, Paul is free uh, to serve the Lord. In particular, uh, we see a contrast uh, between him and Felix in that he doesn't need to save his own skin. Uh, this is what's actually behind uh, Felix wanting to do the Jews a favor uh, at uh, at the end of the chapter. We know from uh, from Roman history outside the Bible uh, that uh, Felix was being called to Rome to stand trial himself, or at least to give an answer for uh, some supposed mistreatment of the Jewish people uh, that he was uh, being accused of. And one of the reasons why he continued to be unjust towards Paul, not just because uh, he wanted money, but uh, because he was afraid of what was going to happen to him in Rome. So he wanted to do them a favor. Uh, he wanted to give them a gift. Uh, there's a uh, there's a quid pro quo in exchange of this for that uh, that is behind that action at the end of the chapter. Uh, but Paul doesn't need to save his own skin. If his skin needs to be saved, Jesus will save it. And if he is supposed to die, then uh, he will die for Jesus. The unbeliever, however, uh, the unbeliever is a slave of sin. Uh, and this comes out uh, in Felix not just uh, because he doesn't have a hope in Christ that will uh, conquer whatever happens to him in Rome, that is more important to him than money. Uh, you see, he's a slave also of his greed. That's one of the reasons why he kept Paul in prison, because he was hoping for a bribe. But you can really see his slavery to sin in how he responds to the gospel. He knew that the way, as it were, uh, having a more accurate knowledge of the way, verse 22, he knew that what Paul said was true, that it was based on the law and the prophets that Christians preached Christ from the Old Testament, that, it, uh, that Christianity is the true theology of Genesis to Malachi. He had a more accurate knowledge of the way, but he did not savingly know Jesus Christ. Uh, and so his, his wife, Drusilla, is a Jew, and Felix knows that Christianity is the true Jewishness. Uh, he brings... Uh, Paul, as a teacher from uh, from her own culture. Uh, now, the problem is that uh, Drusilla is like Felix's third or fourth wife, and Felix is Drusilla's like, third or fourth husband. Uh, this, too, we know from Roman history. Uh, so he's like, okay, you preacher of the true Judaism, come and tell us about this faith in Christ that you get from the law and the prophets and the going to be like a nice thing that he does for, you know, this most recent wife of his is Jewish, and they've got a Jewish teacher. And apparently he's better at the Jewish teaching thing than all the other Jewish teachers. And so there's this great opportunity to come and tell us about faith in Christ. Uh, verse 24. However, in order to hear about faith in Christ, 
you have to hear about righteousness. There's no such thing as faith in Christ. Apart from the righteousness that we lack and the righteousness that he has and the imputation of his righteousness to be our righteousness, if we believe in him, that's what faith in Christ is all about. Belonging to Christ, being united to him. And the great thing that we need first and foremost is the righteousness that is from God by from faith and uh, and for faith, just like Paul wrote to the Romans. Because already the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all our unrighteousness. Okay, so Felix says, come, tell us about faith in Christ. Paul says, all right, well, I'll tell you about righteousness. I have to tell you about uh, self-control, that not only does being counted righteous happen uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, but he actually changes the way we live. Uh, if you believe in Jesus, you're going to stop being a serial Seventh Commandment violator, getting divorces and committing adultery, and you'll you'll have uh, have to live uh, uh, in a holy way. There is no Christianity uh, without uh, Christ's righteousness counted for us, and now there's no Christianity without self-control, without sanctification. It's a fruit of the Spirit. If you have the Spirit, if you have Christ, you are going to have and you are going to grow in self-control. And so the, those two things aren't quite favorable. <laughs> the third subject that, that Paul moves on to in talking about faith in Christ to be counted righteous before God, faith in Christ, union with him, his life in us, as his Spirit working in us as the only way to start living in a holy uh, manner with self-control, uh, among other things. He moves on to the third subject, the coming judgment, and how those who uh, have been joined to Jesus and uh, in, are, are justified in Christ, their justification being joined to him, who have lived out of their union with him in sanctification, there is going to be a day coming uh, when he welcomes them into his rest. And there are going to be others on that day who say, Lord, Lord, in your name did we not, in your name did we not, in your name did we not. Uh, but they were workers without the law. They were workers of lawlessness. Uh, and they didn't have the fruit of the Spirit. They didn't walk in holiness. They didn't have self-control. Uh, and Jesus is saying, I never knew you. Uh, and they will be, he will cast them into the utter and outer darkness, like the fire others weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the flame is not quenched, and the worm does not die. And Paul is not telling this like some kind of Jewish myth. He was explaining to Felix the truth and reality of life in this world and the next. Now Felix is sadly a slave of sin, uh, even in how he listens to this preaching. So verse 25 says, Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. And so Felix's aim in hearing about Christ uh, was not to get Christ himself. And so as he listens, he listens not as someone who, by the Spirit's help, is looking to know Jesus as his solution for righteousness, as his resource, as his source for uh, sanctification, as his safety in the coming judgment. He wants to hear about Christ as a religion. 
not as as his God and Savior. True Christian preaching will scare those who come as slaves of their sin, not uh, looking to Christ, uh, not looking to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there are many motives other than desiring Christ himself that people have as they listen to preaching. Uh, they may uh, like coming to church and hear gospel sermons because somehow uh, they get some money out of it. Felix certainly had that uh, that goal here as he continued to ask Paul, but apparently uh, he had an increasing immunity uh, to his fear as his conscience was seared. We don't know that for sure. That just seems to be implied by the end of the chapter. And there are those who you know, have a a paid position in the church, or who are on the role being supported by the church, or, uh, or maybe there are people in the congregation uh, with whom they need to maintain good relationships for business reasons. Money can actually be uh, a reason. I mean, there are children who uh, don't want to be on their on their own. They leech off of mom and dad still, uh, and um, not that you know mom and dad taking care of you is necessarily leeching. Uh, but uh, they just come to church because that's what mom and dad expect. Uh, and uh, if they don't, the money might dry up or they might get uh, uh, kicked out or fall out of favor. There are people who like to come and hear and uh, uh, certainly appear to pay attention because of others' esteem. Others' esteem and uh, seeing them there all the time, being able to interact with others who do value uh, the preaching of the word. Um, maybe even for unregenerate reasons like themselves, but then you can interact about it. And, uh, each of you esteem the other, have a nice uh, pat on the back, warm, fuzzy feeling test with each other, uh, or just feeling good about yourself. I really, you know, I'm so glad. They're like the uh, the Pharisee and the Pharisee and the publican. I thank you, Lord, that I am not like these other people that you have given to me to attend worship services, to enjoy hearing sermons, to pay good attention, uh, and uh, sermon hearing becomes not uh, an opportunity to receive and grow in and benefit from your union with Christ, but the sermon hearing itself becomes a work uh, that you that you feel proud about. And then there are others who just enjoy hearing theological things. It's uh, entertaining, stimulating to the mind, uh, or maybe the the arc or the manner of the presentation is uh, inspiring or entertaining, like uh, like a show. Some people just get into the habit, uh, and it maintains their sense of equilibrium to go to the same place at the same times every week with the same people, hear the same sort of thing, and uh, and it's just what we do, and it's part of the rhythm. Uh, uh, of life. There are many, many motives for which someone can be a desirer to hear gospel sermons. We need to, we need to each examine ourselves. There are a lot of people who don't even hear gospel sermons, don't even desire to. I mean, if there's a gospel preacher at their church, they go somewhere else, or they don't like, they don't go to church at all. Uh, and so for Matthew 7, for 21 and 22, which is the Lord Lord passage to which we were referring earlier, or uh, to make application here, those who desire to hear about faith in Christ from the Lord's preacher like Felix did to make good application, it's really only those 
who enjoy attending and hearing gospel sermons, uh, who are targeted by these passages, by the Holy Spirit. So each of us uh, need to seek from Christ to hear the gospel of Christ out of a desire for Christ himself, that having him and living out of our union with him, enjoying our fellowship with him, would be the great reason that we go hear his word preached, because we love him and depend upon him, uh, want to live in fellowship with him uh, and for, for him. And as we listen, we may, because of our remaining fleshliness, we may find ourselves alarmed like Felix did. We may hear about righteousness that we need counted for us. We may be anxious in the moment, not certain that we have that righteousness. But instead of giving in to fear and you know, either stopping attending altogether or just not not listening well, you know, paying attention to other things, or uh, giggling with friends, uh, writing notes back and forth, whatever will relieve the pressure, lighten the pressure, of having to deal with the reality that's being preached. You know, that's a Felix response. That's, you know, don't don't engage me with this. But if you are afraid, uh, don't respond the way Felix did. Respond by laying hold of the Christ who's being preached to you. That's the whole point of it, is to get you to rest in him. Or if you find that you lack self-control, is not the point of preaching Christ as the source of self-control. Not so that you may stop at being afraid and say, well, I don't like hearing about holiness and the fruits of the Spirit and obeying the law and all of these things. It makes me feel badly. Well, who cares about how you feel? You're having Christ preached to you. Use those bad feelings and turn your heart to him again. Say, in you is all holiness. In you is all life for my obedience. In you is the... is." The, the life that the Spirit produces that will give me self-control. Help me, Lord. Give, give to me that I would live by faith in you. That it would not be I myself who live, but you who live in me. Or if the coming judgment sounds frightening to you. And you remember that the Lord Jesus comes as the Savior. He's the safety of his people. And you cling to him. Lord, keep me as yours. When you return, return for me, not against me. Uh, and so... Uh, there may be times in the preaching where you hear things that frighten you like Felix was frightened. But remember that what is being preached to you is Christ. And respond to the fear not by tuning out or resisting engaging God in what you hear from his word. Respond to the fear by laying hold of Christ, whom God is holding forth to you in the preaching of his word. So let us press on in our hearing the gospel and look to Christ to give us his spirit and his life, by which we may lay hold of him himself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving your son to come into the world, not that the world uh, be condemned by him, but that through him it might be saved. We know that the day is coming when he returns to judge and to condemn. And so we praise you for your mercy, for your patience, in which you continue to preach faith in Christ uh, by means of your servants. We pray, Lord, that you would give us to pay good attention uh, and that your spirit would give us this paying of good attention uh, for the great goal of receiving and belonging to, living out of fellowship with, 
your Son, our Lord Jesus, that we would receive him, that we would belong to him, that we would live out of fellowship with him, that we would uh, even love his appearing, because he will be our safety in that last great day. Lord, we do pray that wherever necessary, you would indeed frighten us with the preaching of your word, but that it would be that sort of frightening that drives us to him, and that you wouldn't let us respond the way Felix did, by tuning it out or uh, resisting to hear. Help us, Lord, we ask for the sake of your love and for the sake of your Son, whom you gave in that love to be ours. And so we ask it in his name. Amen.